taking responsibility for actions. That's something new for Washington, D.C. To get specific, here's the purveyor of political accountability, Dan Newman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tuesday, May the 22nd, 2018. And we're going back to something we started several months ago when we were just doing written blog posts. We're going to bullet point Tuesdays with a new refreshing idea. We're going to make those podcasts. So we have real audio conversation about bullet point items of the day, things that are important, very important to you and to me and all Americans that have happened over the last few days. So we're going back to that every Tuesday. Make sure you listen in and get that day's bullet points for that specific Tuesday. We're going to get right to it today. And boy, we've got a lot to cover. We're going to start it with somebody, a discussion about somebody who I, to be honest with you, I detest. I lost all measure of success I had for this person during the 2016 campaign. I'm talking about former CIA director John Brennan. Now, you've heard me talk negatively about John Brennan, also about former director of the Department of National Intelligence, James Clapper. Both now have been caught in lies under oath to Congress. John Brennan has made it his job to take on President Trump in numerous ways. And um, before we get into that, I think what we need to do is I need to remind you a little bit about John Brennan, who he is, and what he does, because he is uh, he's one of those guys that uh, he just has to make a lot of noise. He makes himself the center of every conversation when it comes to anything to do with the intelligence community. So who is he? Well, nearly three years ago, John Brennan, as acting director at the time of the CIA, found himself apologizing to the Senate Intelligence Committee and acknowledged that the CIA had spied on senators' computers after he previously vehemently denied those claims, those charges that senators made. Now, Brennan, who has been out of the role as director of CIA since right after President Trump took office in January of 2017, he testified about his own concerns about espionage from Russia via possible contacts with the Trump campaign. Now, this is back even before the president took the oath of office, after the election, but before he became president formally in January of 2017. In Brennan's most direct comments on the matter, he told lawmakers on the House Intelligence Committee last year that he had grown concerned that Moscow was trying to influence the Trump presidential campaign, saying, quote, Russia clearly had a preference for Trump over Hillary Clinton. Brennan previously alluded to such fears, telling Fox News' Chris Wallace in mid-January that he didn't think then-president-elect Donald Trump has a full appreciation of Russian capabilities, Russia's intentions, and that Trump's public displays of contempt for the U.S. intelligence community could undermine national security. The remarks were made after Trump rejected intelligence agencies' reports of claims that Russia had compromising information on him, and that, of course, has been termed the Steele dossier. Ever since... Brennan was passed over, was not allowed to stay 
as head of the CIA. He has made it his personal job to take on President Trump and has made some outrageous claims, allegations, and has just downright denigrated President Trump. And we all think President Trump has an active Twitter account. What about John O. Brennan? Let's look at a few of his, kind of illustrate this whole thing. Back just a month or two ago, March 7th of this year, Brennan tweeted this, talking about President Trump. You show an amazing, albeit unsurprising, ignorance of how technology, automation, and the attendant evolution of economics and societies have transformed the world. Your simple-minded policies, impositions of terrorists, have the potential to seriously damage our future prosperity. Just a quick comment there. Brennan may be absolutely correct, but is he qualified to talk about economics? An intelligence guy, former head of the CIA, not an economics professor, never served in government in any kind of economics or financial position, and he's denigrating Donald Trump, who's a billionaire, and has a long and storied successful career in economic matters. But Brennan, as he does all the time, elevates himself in every comment he makes over President Trump. Let's fast forward. March 13th. Leadership of House Intelligence Committee has traded last vestige of integrity for politics. With other investigative shoes yet to drop, Legislators who try to protect at real Donald Trump will face November reckoning. Hopefully, bipartisan effort in Senate Intel Committee will endure. He didn't stop there. Four days later, March 17th, Brennan said in his tweet, When the full extent of your venality, moral turpitude, and political corruption becomes known, you will take your rightful place as a disgraced demagogue in the dustbin of history. You may scapegoat Andy McCabe, but you will not destroy America. America will triumph over you. Wow. And he just goes on and on. April 4th, he tweeted, I served six presidents, three Republicans, three Democrats. I directly supported Clinton, Bush 43, and Obama. While I didn't agree with all their policy choices, I admired and respected all of them as they put country above their personal interest. Not so with you, as your self-adoration is disgraceful. April 13th, your cacistocracy, that's a word I'd never heard until Brennan tweeted it, your cacistocracy is collapsing after its lamentable journey. As the greatest nation history has known, we have the opportunity to emerge from this nightmare stronger and more committed to ensuring a better life for all Americans, including those you have so tragically deceived. April 17th, a woman of great dignity, grace, and humanity, her love of family and country was second to none, and her work to increase literacy is her special legacy. Our hearts go out to the entire Bush family. May they take solace in knowing that Barbara was so widely and deeply loved by all. That's probably the only positive thing I've ever heard come out of John Brennan's mouth, talking about Bush 43, who he had very positive things to say about, President George Bush, Bush 43, when his mother died. So I give him a pass for that. 
April 27th, a highly partisan, incomplete, and deeply flawed report by a broken House committee means nothing. The special counsel's work is being carried out by professional investigators, not political staffers. SC's findings will be comprehensive and authoritative. Stay tuned, Mr. Trump. And then on the next day, he tweeted, Mr. Trump, your hypocrisy knows no bounds. Jim Clapper is a man of integrity, honesty, ethics, and morality. You are not. Jim Clapper served his country for over half a century, including in Vietnam. You did not. By your words and behavior, you diminish the office of the presidency. Okay. John Brennan. Let's give you a little summary of stuff here. He's been caught lying under oath twice. He just patted Jim Clapper, his old buddy, on the back, talking about how ethical and honest he is. Clapper lied under oath and is facing prosecution. For that matter, Brennan may also face prosecution for lying under oath. Is there a pattern here? Now think about who this guy is or who this guy was. He was director of the CIA. Clapper, again, his good friend, Brennan's good friend, and confidant was director of the Department of National Intelligence. Both of these guys are supposed to be of the highest ethic and moral character and be the most honest people in Washington, D.C. And oh, by the way, their keynotes in the intelligence community that has basically run everything to do with keeping America safe against foreign and domestic terrorists for years. And we've given the intelligence community pass year after year after year, never questioning ethics or morals, never questioning anything that comes out of their mouths. And then here's two former intelligence department heads that have both been caught lying under oath, which is a felony. John Brennan has made it his personal task to verbally and through tweets to take President Trump down. Let me tell you something I learned when I was a kid. When somebody did something in a classroom in third grade, broke a window, broke something in the classroom, made a loud noise, scared somebody with a teacher with her back to the class. When it was time to fess up who did it, the one who screamed the loudest and declared their innocence and pointed to someone else demanding that they were the guilty party, I was taught that it always, the one that makes the first and loudest claim is guilty. I think John Brennan is a despicable individual, and I think he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. And I think when the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, comes out with his Department of Justice and Intelligence Community reports that are still underway, John Brennan is going to be exposed as being treasonous. And I use the T word, treasonous. And he's loudly trying to divert any attention 
by making noise about President Trump. Got a lot more ahead. This is Tuesday Bullet Points. Sit tight. Be right back at dnewman.org. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? Yes. And what about this? You're there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. Don't ever miss a story or podcast. Get an email link to every new story and podcast by entering your email address on the homepage of dnewman.org. If it's relevant, you'll get it here. And boy, are today's Tuesday bullet points relevant. We talked about John Brennan, even threw in a little mention or two there of James Clapper, Intelligence Committee, former department heads that uh, represent evil in politics at the highest level, or should I say lowest level instead. Well, let's just move on since we're talking about intelligence. What about Robert Mueller and what's going on with his special... I don't even know what you call it. Is it an investigation? Is it, as the president says, a witch hunt? I honestly don't know. Do you feel the same way I do? There is so much noise surrounding what originated as an investigation to make sure that the Trump campaign did not collude with Russians to change the results of the 2016 presidential election. Things just don't seem to be the same. Mueller is chasing all kinds of little tree limbs that branch off from the original investigation. And, of course, in his uh, determination, acting Attorney General Rosenstein, when he made that appointment of Mueller, he had to give him specific authority by law by the special prosecutor law, of what he could do and what he could not do, and any changes in his investigation directions had to go back to Rosenstein and be approved. And, of course, Rosenstein did not want to give the judge who was investigating claims by Paul Manafort stating that Mueller did not have authority to bring the charges that he did against Paul Manafort Uh, Rosenstein wouldn't turn over the memo, the appointment letter, the original appointment letter from Mueller, and the judge had to tell him, you got to do it. You got to turn it over. Now, we know, we do know that Thursday or Friday of last week, it was turned over to Judge Ellis. We don't know the results of that yet, but the motion was to drop charges, all charges against Manafort regarding financial improprieties that took place back in uh, the middle decade 10 or 13, 12 years ago, 10, 12, 13 years ago. And uh, we'll see about that. But that's just one example of Mueller just grasping for straws. We hear now that he's talking to people, wealthy men, uh, men of power in the Middle East, trying to make a connection there between the Trump campaign and them. So is there any Russian collusion there? I really don't think there is. And now he's floating trial balloons. Apparently, he told Rudy Giuliani, uh, President Trump's 
now attorneys specifically for this investigation. Over the weekend, Giuliani put out that Mueller said if the president would testify for Mueller, that Mueller could end this investigation by September the 1st. I and many others think it would be suicide for President Trump to sit down with Mueller because Mueller's got all kinds of evidence, if there is any, a wealth of interviews, over a million documents that he requested. If there's any there there, he knows what that there is. Why would he demand to ask the president questions? There's only one reason why. He wants to trap him. Similar to what happened when Ken Starr finally got Bill Clinton to testify. And it wasn't actually before a grand jury. It was in a civil trial. And Bill Clinton, who never even knew who Monica Lewinsky was when Ken Starr received his appointment letter to investigate Whitewater, a real estate development gone awry that the Clintons were directly involved in in Little Rock, Arkansas, years before. When that whole thing started, President Clinton didn't even know who Monica Lewinsky was, yet he was impeached because he lied under oath in a civil case directly related to his affair with Monica Lewinsky when she was an intern at the White House. And the president was impeached for that. That had nothing to do with the Whitewater event. So is that what Mueller's looking for? He's going to try to trap President Trump in some question like that? I don't know. But I can say this. Robert Mueller is scrambling. I don't think there's any there there. And now the majority of Americans agree with me. They think there is no Russian collusion there. Now, if there really is Russian collusion, does anybody but me remember that President Obama, before the election, said he knew for a fact Russians had been trying to affect, impact American elections for years? Nothing happened to take that on in the Obama administration. Why all of a sudden... Is it supposedly big news and something the world has got to stop revolving and take on because it's all going to end unless we tag Donald Trump as being collusion with the Russians when the Russians have been beating up on administrations for years and years and years and not just here. And oh, by the way, as you know, we've talked about this before, over 69 times the United States itself has tried to, and in some cases been successful at impacting elections of other countries, including under President Obama. The hypocrisy in this investigation is mind-boggling. Folks, there's no there there. Robert Mueller is grasping for straws. This thing needs to end. Now, President Trump, Another bullet point here. President Trump has just about had all he can stand with all of this bogus investigation stuff. The leftist media attacking him nonstop, all day, every day. CNN used to be called the Clinton News Network during the election cycle. 
because all they talked about was Hillary Clinton. They wanted her elected. They probably had some kind of deal or multiple deals cut. They knew they were going to be in favor with President Hillary Clinton. I don't know what we should term them now because there's no T, which would be Trump. We'll come up with something, but CNN nonstop attacks President Trump, his credibility. They forget that they're a news organization or supposedly a news organization. They never talk about his successes. And there are many, hundreds that we've chronicled on this website over and over and over again. If you can look back, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but we did two days in a row where we did nothing but list his accomplishments. And this was probably nine months ago, only months into his administration. They don't talk about that. MSNBC, ABC News, CBS News, uh, NBC News. None of them talk about his accomplishments. Nobody understands. They obviously want the president gone. Why is that? Why is that? Is it because he's basically honest? That he's fulfilling his promises? He's not a politician? He can't be handled? He can't be misquoted? Because he doesn't give interviews to the leftist media. He goes directly to about 100 million Americans by tweeting every day, making sure there's no filter by the media about what he says. We saw an example of that when he was so horribly misquoted in the conversation at a roundtable event in the White House a week ago when he called MS-13 gang members that literally tear the hearts out of people's chest while they're still alive, cut their throats, cut their heads off. He called them animals. And Nancy Pelosi, other politicians, and just about every leftist news media outlet misquoted him saying he said immigrants or animals. That's what this media does. He's had enough. So he called Rod Rosenstein and the new director of the FBI to the White House today to discuss an investigation into all this stuff. We'll see what happens there, but he's had enough. Now, he has a meeting. He tweets on the weekend that he's going to formally request what he requested today with Rod Rosenstein and the FBI director in his office, Christopher Wray, and Democrat California Senator Dianne Feinstein jumps in on the president because there's supposed to be a firewall between the executive branch and the Department of Justice. He's not supposed to go directly to the Department of Justice. Now, there's no law about it. And just so everybody understands constitutionally, the Department of Justice is under the executive branch of the government. There is no separate branch of the government called the Department of Justice. It's under the executive branch. Who heads the executive branch? The President of the United States. So Dianne Feinstein, who can't stand Donald Trump, doesn't like any of his administrative policies, very diplomatically, as only California senators will do, very diplomatically objects to pretty much everything the president brings to the table or suggests. She can't stand the way he talks, can't stand what he says, can't stand his tweets. We get all that. But she's creating policy that is untrue. 
She told by stating the president is doing something he shouldn't do by simply talking to Rod Rosenstein and Chris Ray in his office about an investigation that hadn't even started yet. He wants it started. He's doing something wrong. These people have lost their minds. You know who they work for? You know who Rod Rosenstein works for? You know who Christopher Ray works for? You know who Donald Trump works for? You know who Dianne Feinstein works for? The American people. None of them work for one department. They don't work for the government. They work for the people. Their oath of office was to uphold the Constitution of the United States. And then they start talking about making their own departmental justice right and wrong decisions about who's supposed to do whatever they're supposed to do. One thing we do know, the U.S. Senate, with Dianne Feinstein in it, are supposed to pass legislation. They're sitting on their rears. They actually made a statement in, was it March? That they were through with any meaningful legislation. This is Mitch McConnell, the majority leader of the Senate, said this. The Senate is through with any meaningful legislation until after the November elections. They're not working for the people right now, and yet she's throwing these bombs out at the president saying he's doing something wrong. He is working. Everybody knows he is working, and he's making other people work almost around the clock. She's lost it. So let me ask you this. The Department of Justice is being exposed willy-nilly. Every day something new comes out, some individual is identified as doing illegal actions, leaking illegally, um, spying, all of this intelligence stuff that's going on behind the scenes, making Americans across the board realize the Mueller investigation is a crock. There's no substance to it. It was initiated wrongfully, if not illegally. And Mueller's being forced just by facts being exposed, new ones, new facts. Every day, he's being forced to bring this to a close. If he's got facts, if he has evidence of Russian collusion, or this president or anybody in his campaign doing anything illegally, he can bring it forward turn it over to the Justice Department, what will happen is he can't bring an indictment. Mueller cannot bring an indictment. He writes a summary to the acting attorney general, Rod Rosenstein in this matter. Rosenstein then makes a determination if the Justice Department is going to refer it for an indictment or prosecution. He's got plenty of information if there's any there there plenty of evidence he could do that right now he didn't want to do it you know why we'll bring this whole thing to a close by telling you this there's one purpose he wants to assist the house of representatives to become democrat controlled in the november elections why is that a sitting president cannot be indicted while he's in office he has to be removed from office before he can be indicted with the House of Representatives, the Democrats can start impeachment 
actions against President Trump. He doesn't want this thing to come to a close before the November elections. That's the best shot for the Democrats to take the House back. Isn't it nauseating to think that people that don't get elected, we have no say-so in what they do or what they don't do? Who tells them what to do? How to do it? They don't work for us, folks. Rod Rosenstein doesn't work for you. Robert Mueller doesn't work for you. Dianne Feinstein doesn't work for you. She doesn't work for the people of California that she legally represents. She works for a political narrative of elitism that has controlled Washington, D.C. very quietly for a long, long time. And the reason they don't like Donald Trump, he's upset their apple cart. He's a threat to the power and control that the swamp creatures have held in Washington, D.C. for at least a decade, probably even longer. We just didn't know. And they can't stand the fact that it's being peeled back, the secrecy, layer by layer. And the heart of the onion in Washington is being exposed to American voters. And American voters don't like it. Before we close today's podcast, got some good news I want to tell you. Congressman Mike Johnson of the 4th Congressional District in Louisiana is going to appear on our broadcast. And uh, we'll be able to tell you next day or two exactly when that's going to happen. It'll be about an hour long. And what we're going to do, we've got a whole lot of people that live in the 4th Congressional District in Louisiana and a lot of other people around the nation who would like to ask this freshman congressman some questions, like to make some suggestions. So when we get a date, it's going to be probably in the next week or two that he's going to be here with us. Um, we're going to ask you to send us your questions. And uh, with the time that we have, time the congressman has to spend with us, we'll select questions and uh, present those to him. You'll be able to hear his answers firsthand. I know you're probably like me. Um, I get to talk to a few congressmen, probably a little more regularly than you do because of this this uh, website, this podcast, and uh, they know we're here. They know you're here. They know you're part of this too. And uh, they want to keep their finger on what's going on just so they know. You don't get to talk to them maybe as much as I do, but here's your chance. So be thinking about the questions that you want to ask a freshman congressman, a Republican congressman from the 4th District of Louisiana. And in the next couple of days, we'll tell you exactly when that's going to happen. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so thankful that you are taking your time out of your busy day to join us here. Today, Tuesday Bullet Points. We're back in the bullet points every Tuesday. I really appreciate you joining us. Glad to have you along. Thanks so much. We'll be back again at dnewman.org. Don't ever miss a story or podcast. Get an email link to every new story and podcast by entering your email address on the homepage of dnewman.org. If it's relevant, you'll get it here.